I'm uh, continuing to talk about the time period before the Mashiach comes, because we're really in it. And I want to illustrate it and show you how really, how much we are really in it and so on. So there's certain ideas. I, I spoke about this last week, obviously, and so on. And we know the main idea, of course, is that Chazal, the rabbis, tell us that there's a tremendous um, period of darkness and suffering in the period before Mashiach comes. And I had been talking about it last week, <clears throat> analyzing, you know, what the purpose of this is and why there is this. <clears throat> so I basically want to continue and to bring in certain other ideas, which in many ways are very fundamental and very important to understand. Why this period of time is so unique, the time before the Mashiach. And I mentioned last week also that uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that there are many rabbis, Chazal, that say, Yesei, let the Mashiach come, mine, but I don't want to see it. I mean, that's, that's a tremendous, uh, so very strong statement, <clears throat> you know. And uh, Chazal are not intimidated. You know, I mean, they lived in the Roman times where there was a tremendous amount of, of persecution. But for them to say that, let him come, you know, <clears throat> but I don't want to see it, really tells us that this time before the Mashiach, there will be tremendous trials and tribulations and a great deal of, of uh, darkness, really very bad for the world. In fact, it's unique that it'll be one of the greatest periods of, of uh, pain and anguish and suffering uh, before the entire time of the world. So the question then, of course, is why? Now, I had gone last week, and I mentioned that there are, uh, I mentioned four reasons what the judgment period, uh, or rather, what the evil or the uh, darkness is all about. First idea which I mentioned is that uh, there's a great deal, is that since the Mashiach is coming, because the Jewish people are in the Memtes, the 49th level of defilement, and therefore they don't really deserve the redemption. <clears throat> so what the Barashim has to do because there are tremendous amounts of what's called Kitrugim. Kitrugim are, of course, prosecutions by the Sultan that is demanding justice be done, and they don't really deserve to be redeemed. So therefore, God accedes to that, because God wants justice. He wants everybody to deserve the future world. And as a result of that, He balances the debt so there's a great deal of suffering before the end. Uh, so that's one idea, is that there's a, a period of great suffering to the Jewish people. The second thing I mentioned last week was that because there's a tremendous darkness, that means there's a tremendous ignorance of Torah, truth, righteousness, holiness, spirituality. Therefore, 
there are millions of Jews that really know nothing about the Torah. And therefore, when they sin, which they will do, the amount of harm that they can cause to the creation is minimal. Is what God does is removes their culpability because they're basically Amho-Aratsim. They don't know. So therefore, they don't really have free will because they're not aware of what's right and wrong. So therefore, what is severely reduced is the amount of what's called Zoyamo, or the amount of sparks of holiness that the Satan can take as a result of the sins of the Jews. And that is a very important idea. Uh, so therefore, there's less suffering that has to be done by the Jewish people since their sin does not count anywhere near what it would have counted had Torah been tremendously uh, extant and pervasive to the Jewish people. I mentioned the third reason, and that is that one of the problems that the redemption has is the era of Rav. And when they support the Torah and uh, other things which are contribute to holiness and so on, Torah, they earn merit. And therefore that merit that they earn stops justice from being done to them. It stops them from being put out you know, of, of, a, of a position of domination. So therefore, because there's a tremendous period of darkness, ignorance, and they don't support uh, the uh, Torah and so on, therefore they deny themselves a tremendous amount of merit which protects them. It's a very interesting concept. that actually protects them. They don't realize that. But the more that they contribute Torah, the greater is the protection against them from removing them and harming them. Then I had mentioned the fourth idea, which is called the Mesirat Nefesh. Uh, the Mesirat Nefesh, which means that since it's so difficult to do mitzvot, if when somebody does that, it's a tremendous amount of reward because it is difficult. And like I mentioned, the greater the difficulty, the greater is the reward. And that reward that the Jews do at the end of time is phenomenal, you see. <clears throat> In fact, there was a Hasidic Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Mirizhin, the Rizhin Rebbe. He said certain incredible ideas. Two things he said, it's worthwhile knowing. He said, before the Mashiach comes, the darkness is going to be beyond what we can imagine, almost absolute. The lack of righteousness, the lack of Torah, the lack of the light, spirituality, and holiness, it'll be gone. Therefore, as a result of that, how difficult will this be for the Jewish person who wants to observe mitzvahs? He said it will be equivalent when Eliyahu Hanovi went up to Arakamel. You see, if you recall the story, he went up to Harakamel and he was going to do this test. If the lightning bolt comes down on Harakamel, he put a sacrifice to, to God, to the Burnish Lodim, and the worshippers of Baal, the priests of Baal, they put their sacrifice on the, on the uh, mountain. <clears throat> and Elio said to the Jewish people that were gathered around, let's see. You know, 
which, out of a clear blue sky, which is what it was, who is going to get the lightning bolt that will consume the sacrifice, you see. So it came out that, of course, the lightning bolt, out of a clear blue sky, went and destroyed the cow that Elio Hanovi did. And then, of course, we know in the Hanovi that everybody said, Hashem Hulokim, God is the Lord, the Master, and so on. So the original Rebbe says that the test will be so great, difficult, that the lightning bolt, instead of coming on the altar of Elio Hanovi, proving there's a God, it will come on the altar of Baal. Baal was an Aved Zorah, right? Now that's incredible. That means God is actually supporting, aiding and abetting Aved Zorah? That's how difficult the test will be at the end of time. Do you believe that? In other words, <clears throat> that it will look like the support, right, of God is for the Avedizorah, it's for the Goyim, or for the heir of Rav. They will be the dominant force. That's how, so imagine you have to look at this and still maintain your belief in God. That is incredibly difficult when you see that they are the masters. They have the dominion. You still have to believe in God and that all of this ultimately will end. That's an incredibly difficult time for somebody to do the mitzvahs. That's how difficult or that's how severe the test will be at the end of time. But he also says, how great was the Akedis Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac? Tremendous. We still use that as a merit for us, and I, I, you know, all the time, in davening, and Rosh Hashanah, right? Uh, so therefore the reward of a Jew keeping mitzvahs in the end of days will be so great that it will rival or be equal to the Akedis Yitzchak, to Avram Avinu. Could you imagine how great that is? We live in that time. And that's what we are seeing. You see. Uh, so that's the Messias Nefesh. That's how difficult it will be to observe the Torah in the end of time. But what we're trying to understand is, what does all this mean? <clears throat> now, what I want to bring out is something which is really in many ways very, very important. We live in a time that really happened before. The end of the, mes- or the, end of the uh, world before the Mashiach comes, in many ways, is identical to the time of the flood, the Mabal, the time of Noach, when God said he would destroy the world. Let's take a look at the comparisons that happened, and you will see that they are incredibly the same, and you will see why. By the marble, right before the, the generation of the flood. I had mentioned, right, that they were really in the Memteshari Tumah, the evil, the darkness, the, the unholiness, and so on, the corruption, right, was so great <clears throat> that God destroyed, decided to destroy the world and therefore to stop what's called to press the restart button. That's how bad it was. So it was Nememteshai Tamar. That's one. Second characteristic is God decided to destroy them and press, as I said, the restart button, which would start all over, all over again with Noach. But what's also interesting 
And this is important, is that God did not deny or withhold the amount of evil in the world. In other words, <clears throat> if these people wanted to do evil, which is what they did, he would not deny that. He would not restrict the measure of evil that they could do. Why? In other words, they had total free will. If they wanted to be evil, in fact, if the entire world wanted to be evil, he would not deny them that. Because, you see, in other words, if you give them the chance of free will, uh, then they have a right to do whatever they want, totally. So that's what he did. They had full permission with their free will to be as evil as they want, you see. And then, of course, God destroyed them, Ibud. He destroyed them. Um, but then he took an oath. God took an oath, you see, that he would never destroy the entire world again, which means he's not going to restart mankind, you see. And he took a sure an oath. And what does that really mean? Of course it means he won't destroy the entire world, although we know he can't destroy, you know, a country in terms of a flood, which he did. I mean, we have the classic uh, New Orleans, Katrina, which he clearly destroyed. And he does that many times. But he doesn't destroy the entire planet. And as a sign, really, that the world destroyed deserves to be destroyed, we know that's the rainbow. Except God doesn't do it because he took an oath that he will never do that again. Um, but what's interesting, you see, is that what does the oath really mean? What it means is that God said, I will no longer allow the world to descend to a complete measure of evil and, 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 uh, and uh, to diminish to a level of tremendous amount of tumor defilement. Because that would mean I would have to destroy them. Because anybody born into that type of civilization has no free will. Because the whole place is so evil, there's not even any good. So, you know, how are you going to choose the right path? But you see, so therefore, what that oath meant is that he would not allow mankind to descend fully to a complete level of evil. So, for instance, he said, I will allow them to go up to 90%. But 10%, I will not allow them. Because if they do, then again, I'm going to have to destroy the world. Because there has to be an equality here. There has to be an ability or a possibility to be, to be good, righteous. So that's really what the oath meant. That he would not permit the world to descend to a level of evil, you see, uh, to the extent where he would have to destroy them. Therefore, free will was limited. Uh, you see, that's the concept of the marble. Now, if you take a look, we are really in the exact same situation as the marble, as the flood. Think about this. <clears throat> we are right before the Mashiach ben Yosef, the time. And the world really is in the Memtesh Tumah. The world is in the 49 levels of defilement. I mean, take a look at what's going on. It's hard to believe that this is what the world is doing. There is no more moral righteousness. The world has become an unbelievably evil place. And there's no stopping. It has full permission, you see. So that's just like the marble, where everybody now can be 
as evil as they as evil as they want. You see, <clears throat> um, and everybody is really down to the wire. Now, what is what we are really witnessing is what's called chevrei leido. The concept of a Mashiach coming is analogous to the concept of a woman giving birth. You see, because the embryo is in a place where it's very nice, comfortable, and so on. And all of a sudden, the, the, the child, the embryo, which wants to come out, right, it is all of a sudden surrounded by darkness and pain, and then it emerges, you see. That's the Chevrolet Leda. That's really what's happening now. We are now merging to go out, to transition and be transformed into a whole different reality, you see. But what's interesting to watch is that the world has descended into an evil which we have never seen before. I mean, the concept, right? Defund the police. That's absolute nonsense, you see. Not only that, everything is about race, which of course is absurd. It's not even true. And everything is about gender. You can't say words anymore that indicate, and people have to feel comfortable. <clears throat> I mean, what we've seen is a com- full permission to be as evil as you want, which is incredible. So in many ways, we are identical to the Mabel. The question is why? And the answer is very interesting, because if you remember when I gave this year, I said that the Mabel really was the mess, it was the messianic light that instead of coming down as a messianic light it came down as the analog of the messianic light which is water and it destroyed the world in other words god wanted to bring the mashiach after 10 generations which is the generation of noah <clears throat> and that's 10 generations which would have brought a tikkun a rectification to the 10 spheres but instead of that happening the world became an incredibly evil place. So what that meant is that the Omashiach, the Messianic light, couldn't come. So therefore, the water, water which is the uh, physical analog, a representation of the uh, Messianic light, that came down. And that's what it means, that the windows of heaven and the Tehoim, the abyss of the earth, uh, the water came out and flooded the entire planet. That's really the messianic light in the form of water. So therefore, what that means, therefore, is if what happens in the aftermath is the messianic light, which is the absolute truth and light of the world, it is absolute justice, righteousness, and truth, then right before it, there has to be a test of its opposite. And the opposite of the messianic light is a complete breakdown of civilization. It's a complete domination and corruption of evil. Because if that is prevented, then the messianic light comes. And therefore, what comes right before it is the exact opposite of the messianic light, which is total evil and darkness. We are in the exact same situation, you see. Now, besides these ideas, we now begin to see what is the nature of the darkness. Well, I mentioned the concept of suffering, 
right? That we know. The concept of suffering, we know, in order to satisfy justice. You see, <clears throat> now, we have seen a pandemic. And the last time a real pandemic happened was 1917 and 18. And they say over 100 million people died. That's COVID. So, in fact, it says in the Medrash that before the Mashiach comes, there will be a tremendous plague on the world. And the purpose of that, one of them anyway, is to bring a tremendous amount of suffering. <clears throat> but do not think that when COVID ends, which is slowly ending, that the suffering is over. That's a mistake in thinking. Because we are now witnessing lawlessness. I mean, people's lives have been destroyed. The economy has been destroyed, you see. And as a result of that, there are a tremendous amount of uh, economic suffering. And we're witnessing now inflation, where everything is going up. And that's also a tremendous amount of economic suffering. <clears throat> of course, the one who's making this possible is the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And really, the reason why he was elected, not because he deserves it, because he's a perfect puppet to the progressives and the liberals in the Democratic Party, you see. Because they themselves could never have been voted by the people if they would have presented the progressive platform. But Biden, of course, fooled everybody, tried to come across as a center person. And he, of course, is a complete puppet to the liberals and the leftists and the Democratic Party. But the world is suffering greatly. There are still many countries in this world in which people are dying. And I'm, you know, that's besides the tremendous amount of economic suffering that has taken place. I'm not even going into the dictatorships or the, uh, the, the Chinese and the Russians. Certainly the Chinese that suffer because of the Communist Party. Uh, so there is a tremendous amount of suffering as the Medrash says. That's the first thing. The second aspect is there's no emes, holiness, righteousness, spirituality. These things are gone. We don't see this anymore. We certainly don't see it in the world. And we don't really see, we don't see any of this really, unfortunately and tragically, among the Jewish people. I mean, at least 11 million Jews out of 14 or whatever are gone. Totally. And everybody is immersed in money, pleasure, right? Uh, pleasure, having a great time, security, and so on. Everybody's into that. Who is into spirituality and tremendous amount of righteousness? Where do you find people that work on this, you see, that are what's called oivdim, that work to be a holy person? You don't see this anymore, you see. Now, one of the ways that God arranged this, which is a very important idea, how do you turn a world that had so much incredible Judaism at one point before the Holocaust, and now it's all gone? In fact, one of the ideas of the Holocaust is the removal of the Jew. Why? As I say, ma'at min a small amount of light, if you go into a dark room and you go in with a small amount of light, that will spread an unusual amount of light in that room. 
because all you need is a small amount of light to dispel or remove a great deal of darkness. So by eliminating the Jews, that the Jews died, six million Jews died, each Jew has a tremendous neshama, soul, and each Jew brings with him a tremendous amount of holiness just by virtue of his neshama. Uh, so what the Holocaust did is it killed them. It removed them. Thereby allowing uh, enormous amount of evil, darkness, choshech, in the world. <clears throat> so that's one of the reasons for the Holocaust, is to remove the good, the light, by allowing the Jews to die. And therefore, evil will now have a chance to proliferate. But the amazing thing about the Holocaust is not only the, the death of six million Jews, but the speed of decline is incredible. And it happened in six years. Incredible. And that's because God wants to speed up the era before Mashiach comes. And that era, as I say, has to have this tremendous choshech, period of darkness. Now, a third idea <clears throat> is the concept of Tigber Surah, that evil has to grow tremendously. Evil has to proliferate. What God does is he allows evil to grow exponentially, not even arithmetically, you see, but exponentially. And we'll get into why. But how? Well, a great deal of the world is liberal or progressive. What exactly is the definition of somebody's liberal? What does it really mean? It's not, it's not just that they're okay, that everybody, everything goes. What it really is, is don't bother me. It's called perikas oil, to remove the yoke. What the Torah does, it restricts mankind, especially the Jewish people from committing terrible deeds or acts or evil acts. That's what the Torah does. It sets up guidelines and restrictions for that type of behavior. You see, a liberal really is a person that wants to overthrow the, the, the restrictions, you know, and the obstacles that the Torah uh, in, enjoins on a person. That's really what liberalism is, to overthrow the, the, the uh, norms, in many ways, of society, you see. <clears throat> and this is the concept of the evil that precedes the generation of the Mashiach. Why is that? Because what this is, it represents the ultimate of man. In very brief, the real conflict that man has what does he think about himself? All men, women, mankind, deep down, they would love to, they want to be God, or they want to... Mute yourself! They want to be God, or they want to overthrow God, right? Or they think they are God. <clears throat> Why is that? Because mankind is, is completely obsessed with his own grandeur, where he wants to do his will, to do whatever he wants. 
That concept is Yeshed Mavadoi. Besides God, there is something else, namely you. That is the essential conflict of man, you see. However, the reverse of that is Enoid Mavadoi. Besides God, there is nothing else. And man has to struggle every day with what he thinks about himself, you see. And this really is the central idea of the whole uh, conflict that man has. This is his main goal. That's what God wants. Ultimately, what he wants is mankind, the Jewish people, have to realize, that God is the only true reality, you see. Now, one of the ideas, so this is what happens before the Mashiach comes. Since the Messianic light is the total display or revelation of Enoid Mavadai, besides God there is nothing else, and that's really what is revealed to mankind. Therefore, the major struggle or the major test of the Jewish people and mankind is the opposite. Yeshev Mavadai, besides God, there is man. He's also the boss, you see. And mankind is really caught up into that. Now, one of the ways of allowing this, you see, is that mankind, you see, actually succeeds in doing whatever they want. If you take a look at the Holocaust, you know, what the Holocaust was among many, many things, what it, it was probably one of the greatest desecration of the name of God in the history of the world. Imagine, everybody knows what the Jewish people are, because they read the Torah, they read the Bible. And, they, and it's said how many times in the Chumash, <clears throat> that you are my children, I'm your father, I'm your God, and so on. It's obvious that the, the Jewish people, as God himself says, are the chosen people. And the reason why they're chosen is because God chose them. You see, why? Because they chose God. So God says, you are my people, and your job, of course, is to recognize the reality and to bring that to the world. Uh, therefore, if the Germans, the Nazis, if they kill Jews, millions of Jews, and they get away with it, that itself is an unbelievable desecration to God. Because it shows that God is either doesn't exist, because he's allowing this, or he's impotent. It can't stop it, which shows you that God is inferior to mankind. God has allowed his name to be incredibly desecrated. That's what he did. And the Holocaust is one of them. Because one of the reasons for the Holocaust, among the many, is to begin to introduce the period where Tigber Sarah, which is the strengthening or the proliferation, of evil, uh, that is one of its purposes. And it did that, of course, by allowing mankind, Europe, America, to see how the Jews get slaughtered in butchers, which automatically diminishes enormously the supremacy, the primacy, and the power of God. And God allowed that to be, because we have entered a period of tremendous desecration of the, the power uh, of God himself, you see. Now, why does God want to do that? Uh, why does he want to allow his name 
to be severely dragged through the mud, desecrated, rendered impotent or powerless. Why would we want to do that? And the answer is because not only what is very essential, remember, that the, what God wants mankind to know is that besides God there is nothing else. That's really the central lesson. Now, therefore what he does is he allows mankind to undergo the illusion of being supermen, of powerful, you see. So therefore, when God will take over and destroy them, they will realize that if they're so powerful and God just wipes them out, could you imagine who God really is? In other words, God wants to demonstrate the absoluteness of Enei Besides God, there's nothing else. So what therefore he does is allows evil people to grow incredibly in evil and to do whatever they want so that when he finally takes over and destroys them, the contrast between their evil, you see, and their supremacy is now vanquished in the face of their destruction by God. You see, if mankind was weak and God destroyed them, so they could say, well, you know, we were always we we were weak, and therefore God is not that powerful because we're weak. What does it take to overcome a weak person? But by elevating the power of mankind to a tremendous level, like the Holocaust, where they can destroy and butcher the children of God, that automatically they go away with the illusion of their invincibility. And therefore, that's what God wants. Because when he's going to take them out, then they will, they will actually see the contrast of really of how nobodies they were, and that God is truly in it. He did the same thing with Parai. You see, Parai said, who is God that I should let you out? So God gave him invincibility, or the illusion of that, not only because he's Parai, but because, you know, he issued the Gzira, the decree of straw. So he said to Moshe, not only will I not let them out, I'm going to show you who's the boss. They are now going to be greatest slaves, much more intensity of slavery. So what God allowed him to think is that he had this incredible power, you see? And then God took him out. Because from the power that God granted to him, he's able to see what an absolute nobody he was in the contrast. Same thing with Haman. Haman, before he was hung, was on the top of his game, right? He was invited to the meal with Ahasuerus and and Esther. So he said he was incredible. You know, he thought he was the most powerful man of all, you see? So in in, in, in two days, he was taken out and destroyed. So he realized how, how much of a nothing he really is. See, God does that many times. He did it to Titus, who destroyed Titus or Titus, whatever they call him. He was the Roman emperor who destroyed the second temple, you see. And to show that he was incredibly powerful, right, he desecrated the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Holy of Holies of the Beis Hamikdash. you see. So what, and God allowed him to do that, so he should think, that he has this tremendous illusion of power, invincibility. And then, of course, God said, 
I will allow the smallest of my creatures to destroy you. And the Talmud tells us that some type of a small creature, a gnat, entered his nose or whatever, went into his brain and for seven years was eating away at his brain. You see, this is the same concept. When the era of Enid Mulvadoi, besides God, there's nothing else, is about to happen. <clears throat> so what God does is allows evil to proliferate, to become incredibly strong, you see, so that when God finally annihilates them, then they realize much more if they would have been weak, they realize how nothing they really are, you see. So in the end, that's really what it's about. Not only to destroy them, but that they have to learn the lesson, you see, that they are nobodies. And the greatest way to do that is by allowing them to think that they are invincible, you see. But there's something else that's happening besides these ideas of why there's darkness. <clears throat> you know, most of the time, civilization does not break down, you know, but we're watching civilization break down. In fact, we look at America and other places in the world, and we can't believe, you know, what is, what is happening, you know. Uh, it, it's just incredible to watch how grown people, adults, that are supposed to be mature and understand what you need for a society or a civilization to exist, is completely breaking down. You see, there's no more marriage restrictions, there are no more sexual restrictions and so on, you see, you know, you could do whatever you want. Not only that, people, they go around and they destroy people's panosa, you know, BLM and so on, uh, you know, Antifa, they do this with impunity. Uh, don't they understand uh, that if you have no safety in a country or a civilization, then it's over with, you have nothing. You see, like it says in the Pirkei Avos, you know, in Mole Yira Malchus, if it wasn't for the fear of the kingdom, right, <clears throat> then people would swallow people alive. They wouldn't even wait till they died. That's how rapacious they are in killing people. What stops them is because of civilization, because of the fear of retribution. That's what stops them. <clears throat> Well, isn't that exactly is what happened to America? There's no bad laws. Do you believe this? People are allowed to steal anything in California as long as it's not over $1,000. You destroy property. You destroy a person's livelihood. You spent years building up a business, and you walk in and walk out with this whole store, right? Then you kill people, and then you kill uh, policemen or whatever. <clears throat> isn't this elementary? that you're going to destroy the civilization? Of course it is. So it's very hard for us to believe that this is happening. And the reason why it's happening is because what God is saying is this. If you think that evil is the way to go, that you want to do whatever you want to do, and you're not concerned whatsoever what the consequences, then I will show you that your thoughts about what constitutes a proper society right, <clears throat> that the consequences of that will be the destruction of that society, you see. So it's not only, we're not only looking here 
at spirituality, righteousness, and holiness. <clears throat> We're looking at the norms of society. What God says that, <clears throat> you know, without, without the Torah, without the whole concept of the Bible, as they say, you see, then man would be eating man, literally, you see, because that's really what your behavior will lead to. And therefore, we are witnessing, witnessing something we've never seen before. We are witnessing the destruction, the annihilation of society, of civilization itself. It's a very, very important concept. <clears throat> so all of this is the reason for the tremendous amount of darkness in the world. Like I said, many reasons and ideas. But in many ways, as I said, we are the equivalent of the Mabal. What is happening to us <clears throat> is exactly what happened to the Mabal. The only difference is, you see, is that at least in the time of the Mabal, right, God's restart button was the destruction of mankind. But he's also going to have a restart button now. And his restart button is the redemption itself. itself that mankind will be finally redeemed from all the evil that it's been. And I want to tell you something. When the Mashiach comes, actually in the Ilam Haba, <clears throat> it's not that there is no evil anymore. In fact, even in the Messianic era, there will be no evil. Although the idea or the concept of evil will still exist. But you should know one thing. In the Oilim Habo, in the future world, God pulls out, he yanks the concept of evil from existence. That means you're living in a world that you, can, you cannot conceive of anything other than toiv, goodness. You see, because it doesn't exist. You can only think about something. Why? Because the idea exists. That's one of the things that God created. But what happens if God takes out that idea and it's no longer available? It doesn't exist anymore. Then guess what? You cannot even think of that idea because it doesn't exist. That's what happens to evil. In the end of time, certainly in the future world, you know, <clears throat> the idea or the concept of bad, evil, destruction, deterioration, all negative things will not exist. The idea doesn't exist. So you cannot even think about that. That is how complete the redemption of mankind will be. <clears throat> but even without that, in the Messianic era itself, there will no longer be evil. Because the Mashiach ben David has the power to wipe out any type of evil. It's hard, to, it's hard to comprehend the transformation that the world will endure in the Messianic era. But we are right before it. We are the equivalent of the Dor Hamabo, the generation of the flood before the flood. Yes, could you imagine the darkness of that civilization? We are literally replicating that darkness. And that's why it looks so bad. But the interesting thing about all this is that in order for the messianic light to come, you need, all, you need the darkness, the suffering, the lack of truth, 
the complete dominance of evil, you need all that for the various lessons that God wants to bring to the world, you see. <clears throat> and therefore, that is why we are seeing it, which really we have never seen. And it's very hard to believe <clears throat> that this is happening to a country that once stood, <clears throat> you know, for a measure of justice and righteousness, you see, and, and, and uh, uh, kindness, charity, and so on. Very hard to believe. But that's one of the greatest proofs that the Mashiach is right around the corner. Because the nature of what we are suffering from now is identical to the Mabel. And just like the Mabel would have been, or should have been, a messianic era, and it wasn't, we are in the same way, suffering from the same type of environment or climate. However, in our, in our case, it will happen, and we are very close. Uh, so we now understand the nature, the nature of the environment or the climate, you see, of what is happening and why, because they are all necessary precursors for the messianic era to happen, which really is right around the corner. Any questions? I have a question. Yes. So, if the rainbow was um, is a sign that um, Hashem wanted to uh, wants to destroy the world, but He doesn't allow it, how come the rainbow in our society is so is looked at as um, so beautiful? I mean, it is beautiful, but when we really uh, contemplate why it's there, it's not so beautiful, but why does society glorify it so much and forget the real point of it? Well, you know, I, I, in many ways, you know, since the rainbow really is a sign that God would like to destroy the world, and the rainbow is a reminder to the world that I'm not doing it, you know, so... God doesn't want it to frighten the earth. He doesn't want to do that. Because if the sign itself is a sign of destruction or annihilation, He doesn't want to do that to the planet. That's why there are many things in this planet that are really very nice, even though they may have the message, which is, of course, very bad. So the rainbow, which is a beautiful thing to look at, which is interesting, you know, and it has seven colors, <clears throat> right? Just like the, the seven spheres which create the earth and so on. God says, I will not destroy, uh, you know, this world with the seven spheres and so on. Uh, it, 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 it's there to make sure that, you know, we don't get unduly frightened. I'm sure there are most, other ideas and reasons. Most people but don't take the signs. Was that? What? Most people, what? Don't, most people don't take the signs. No, they don't, exactly. <clears throat> but it's still there for that reason. As it says and, in the Torah. And there's, and there's rainbows so often that, I mean, it's like if you really think about it, the world should have been destroyed zillions of times. We have rainbows all the time. You're right. That's why it's so interesting that the Gemara says that in the time of Rav Shimon, by Yoichai, and Rabbi Elozo, no and Rav Shimon, there was no rainbow. Now, it's hard to understand how that happens because a rainbow is really the refraction 
of raindrops, you know, uh, the light from the sun that goes through the raindrops, you know, how it, how it uh, by the laws of physics, how it can happen that there's no rainbow. But this is what the Gemara says. Uh, because Rav Shimon and his son were so great that they actually were able to atone for the whole generation. Yeah. You see. <laughs> um, Rabbi, is there, so do you think that there's a correlation and like a deliberate choice, sort of like Apple with the bitten Apple for their logo as to why the um, gay community chose a rainbow as their, you know, sign of pride? Well, the reason why they chose the rainbow is because the rainbow is really a unification of seven colors. So they have chosen the rainbow of colors <clears throat> to indicate that there are many different corruptions and perversions of sexuality. You know, there's the LGBTQ plus and so on. Uh, so it's their way of indicating that no matter what your preference is, you know, in terms of uh, your lifestyle or sexuality, you're all part of one group which we know, of course, is the incredible corruption <clears throat> of mankind vis-a-vis this matter. That's why they chose the rainbow. Because of the, the different... You know, it's, it, it, it represents the, the different groups of people that are all part of this uh, deviancy. It's just ironic, like, at the end of the day, the meaning behind the rainbow and, and their choice of what they, they use, it's it's crazy, sort of like Apple and their iPhone with, you know, a bit in Apple and Adam and Chava. Yes, that's right. It's, it's very, <clears throat> it's really very ironic that the very symbol that they choose to represent their deviations is the actual symbol that the world should be destroyed. Destroyed. That is ironic. Yeah. They don't even realize that they have actually chosen the symbol that means they will be annihilated. <laughs> now, that but is ironic. God willing, they should be destroyed. God willing. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, Rabbi, did you hear that COVID, there's a new COVID from India? Delta? A new, a new COVID yeah. from India. Yeah, and it's hitting yeah, Israel. And it's what? Hitting Israel. 45 it, cases yesterday. But the, positive in Israel. But does the vaccine guard against it? No. No? No idea. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I heard something about that. Well, it's, uh, it's let's say, uh, you know, as they say, it's not over yet. As I said, <clears throat> yes, uh, the world still is going to a tremendous amount of suffering, you know. No question about that. Also, I'm supposed to be when going is to it Israel. Can I'm supposed when to be going to Israel. Rabbi? July 20th. Is that Hashem? Oh, wow. Yeah. At the rate this is going, it looks like they're going to close the borders again. I know. That, I know. If that's the case, I'm not going. Sure. I know. Are you like... Rabbi, it's not getting better. It's just getting worse. 
to be vaccinated again every six months. <clears throat> well, they don't really know for sure. I've, I've read that some people hold it to be as good as a year. But they're already working on a booster shot. You know? They're really working on that already. Mm. You know? Look, the world is in a turmoil. Tremendous turmoil in terms of the United States, Israel, you know, with the Arab Rav and uh, what's happening there and the other countries of the world <clears throat> and Russia and China. I mean, China's trying to take over the entire planet. Can you imagine the evil of that? Chinese Communist Party taking over the planet. <clears throat> There's a tremendous threat that is now in the world. Then you have Iran, which, uh, you know, they're running to Iran to give it back. It's, uh, Rabbi, why do, you think Hashem, why do you think Hashem gave us Trump for four years and then he gave us Biden after all that? You know what I'm saying? Why do you think... Like, yeah, because that's what like I mentioned. He gave us, he gave us uh, you know, a candy, and then he took it away, you know? Well, I mentioned that, you know, several times. It's the same thing. Why did, why did, why did the Bershom bring Moshe Rabbeinu, and he tells everybody that he's the Mashiach, and they all believe him, right? And then the next minute, right, they will have to go out and gather straw. Same thing. Because I mentioned, because if the Mashiach, the defilement, of the of the Memtesharitama, therefore they have to deserve it. Uh, so the suffering will bring them up to speed. They will deserve the Mashiach. That's why the Mashiach comes first, and then all of a sudden, right after that, there's tremendous amount of suffering and darkness. And then it reverses itself, where of course you have the by Egypt you had the Marcus that ultimately destroyed the whole Egypt the whole uh, Egypt. <clears throat> that will happen also. Something will happen where the whole thing will be turned around, overturned. It's not clear oh, really. how that will happen. But that's the, that is the process that has to unfold, you see. So okay. Hashem is... Hashem is bringing all all this darkness onto um, Israel and onto the world. Yes. And then in that process, it's, it's very hard for Jews to remain practicing Jews. But the ones that do stay uh, true in the light, what's like? What uh, isn't their purpose to 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 you know to help bring the Mashiach? But then they're suffering also. Yes. Because everybody, in, in a certain sense, whether it be this incarnation or previous incarnations, you know, we all have to, in, in many ways, erase a lot of the different things that we've done. You know what I'm saying? So that's why, in, in the end, everybody suffers. So now, so now I, like, I feel like a, a lot of people don't, they still don't see their life um, in the eyes of really working to, uh, towards Olam Haba. They see their life as here and now and in this moment. Yes. So when is that revelation going to come to most Jews where, like, they realize that their every action has a repercussion and 
Like when when is that that you know that enlightenment's going to hit them? Well, there's a verse, there's a pasuk in the Torah that says, "V'eshpich ruchi akoboso," and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That is the turnaround. That is mystical. <clears throat> you know, it's it. That is miraculous. Something will happen where everybody realizes, right, the folly of their way of life. And that's the Esh <clears throat> And that will be miraculous. That all of a sudden, God introduces something of which we cannot even begin to imagine, where the whole world experiences God and the truth of reality. And that's miraculous. And we have no idea of how that will happen, you see. But it will happen with the entry of Mashiach. So does Mashiach have to announce himself first for that to happen, or that happens first and then Mashiach comes? No, he probably doesn't announce that he's Mashiach. He just does what the Mashiach does. And people realize that he's the guy. You see, that's the ultimate proof of who he is. It's not an announcement. It's what he does. So he's not going to come and say, I'm I'm Mashiach? No. He's not going to come and say, okay, here I am, I'm the Messiah. Because people are going to say, you you know, there's a lot of people who say they're the Messiah. You know, what's the proof? You see, what's the point of saying it? There's no proof. You see? Didn't you say the proof is, is that everything that he says is going to happen? That is the proof? Yes. Correct. Yeah. The proof okay, is so what he how does. How are we know him early on? How are we going to know him early on? We, how do you know? How do you, like, if we want to know who he is early on, before well, more, so like I say, going to be on Instagram. Well, something will happen <clears throat> where it's clearly indicative that he's the Messiah. He's going to pull off things, do things, which is really impossible. Only a Mashiach can do it, you see. And then people will slowly begin to realize. There were people in the beginning, some people will realize it. and Many people will say, no, it can't be. He's not the guy. <clears throat> but as it happens, you see, people will realize that he is the Mashiach. It is the deeds of this man that is the proof not his verbal statement. Very important concept, you see. A lot of people say that the Mashiach, <clears throat> you know. What kind of deeds is he going to be doing? Well, there, there, there are two essential, well, there are several deeds that he's going to be doing. One is that he will be successful, right, in gathering the exiles. That's what he will be doing. He's somehow going to bring all the Jews back to Israel. Then a second thing is that he will build the base of Middash. Well, we don't know how he's going to do it. You know, what are the political and social forces that he has to muster up? We don't know. But in some way, events will happen that will automatically fall into line with what his job is. And his job is, one, to gather the exiles, all of them, to go to Eretz Israel. Second job 
<clears throat> is to build the base of Migdosh. The third job is to bring the Torah back to the Jewish people. We have no idea. I mean, these, these kind of jobs are so miraculous because you look at the situation of the Jewish people, it is so downtrodden. It is so mixed up with the goyim. The, the exile, the golos is so thick. You see, we have no idea how in the world is he going to influence Jews to come back. You see, <clears throat> what about all those Jews that are married to goyim? What happens to them? You see, I mean, to us, these problems are insurmountable by any person. But we're looking at the messianic redemption. And the whole thing will be miraculous. Once it's unleashed, it will be, it will be miraculous, you see. But those are the jobs of this person. You see, that's how we know he's Mashiach. If he actually builds a base amigdash, <clears throat> or he brings Torah back to the Jews, or he gathers all the exiles, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. You know, but that's, that's how we know he is the Mashiach. You see, <clears throat> talking doesn't mean anything. It's doing that's everything. You see. Okay, any questions? Any more? It's just scary that now, I understand that you're saying that we need to have darkness before, but it, it's really coming to the point that I don't know how we could go on much longer with all this craziness in the world. <clears throat> it, it, it's a sakana. You're right. It is. That's why it says that before the Mashiach comes, <clears throat> it's going to be very, very difficult. Everybody says that. So how long? How long is this difficulty? Well, I, be I believe we are really in it pretty much. You know, I believe that, well, you know, look, we are watching things happen today that would normally have taken 100 years, and they happen, what, in two months. The acceleration of the evil, you know, the acceleration of the corruption is so fast that we see this is, this is not going to take years and years, you see. I mean, just think about it. Think about, you know, from at the turn of 2000, Look how much has transpired from the year 2000. How many social events, you know, the, the, there's just so many things. There's Islam. I mean, just, you know, the World Trade Center, uh, the, 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 what do you call it, the uh, depression. It's just incredible. How many things have taken place just in the last 20 years? What was that? The Berlin Wall, too, coming down was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what has happened in the last 20, 30 years is unbelievable. It takes hundreds of years for anything to be noticeable in the history of the world, you know. And there are so many things that have happened. I mean, think about it. Since Chatzos, which is 1990. September 1989 was Chatzos, which is 12 o'clock noon on the creation calendar. <clears throat> Look how many things have happened since 1990. I mean, you talk about an acceleration. It's just unbelievable. You know? It's just absolutely incredible. In all fields, you know, in all fields of science, you know, in, uh, in the internet, 
<clears throat> I mean, 30 years, the Internet has come to dominate the whole world, you know, and so on, you know. Uh, it's just astounding if you added up all the events of the last 30 years since 1990. It's incredible. <clears throat> but now we're really seeing it. <clears throat> we are heavy into the corruption of mankind. Very heavy. So, some I heard one rabbi say that um, he think he, that they think that by by two be'av that the klipa will be released. Did you hear anything well, about that? No, I didn't hear anything about that. Tuba of maybe. I hope he's right. Me too. <clears throat> you know, but so far all the predictions have been off. Yeah, very. Everyone. How many times we're did we hear? Here. We're still waiting. So happy. We're exactly. We're still waiting. You know, nothing. You know, you know. First they had the uh, what do you call it, those <clears throat> retarded kids. You know, with a, a guided whatever they call the assistant, whatever. There's been so many times that we heard. Well, he says Mashiach has come here and now and this and that and this holiday. Of course, it's all false. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the only thing that we can really do is observe events and how they conform to the uh, guidelines that the Chazal told us. And that's what I do. That's what I do. <clears throat> I point out why this type of golos, the end, is really the end. Because it matches exactly, you know, which as I said today, it matches exactly the marble. And the marble was the end. It should have been the Even end. at the marble, people had a, cho- a choice to go on the boat. Now, like, where everybody's walking around, they don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying, Rabbi? There's not, one, there's not a, like, a person saying, okay, come with me. I'm gonna, you know what I'm saying? There's not a there's no way out. There's no way there's out. There's no Noah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'm a small voice trying to help people, you know? I agree uh, with you. In I'm fact, I, you know, I'm one of the few people, you know, that have a, uh, a light on what's going on and uh, trying to alert people that we're very close to the end. You know, but I do it from uh, Hashkofa. I don't just say it. <clears throat> I show it and I prove it from Chazal and from the whole Hashkofa that I teach. <clears throat> you see? So hopefully people hear it and they imbibe it, you know, and they do tshuva. You know? Do you think that this accelerated speed of evil is so... The more accelerated it is the more it's easier for society to realize the corruption and, and yes. to open their eyes, like to see, like the veil lifts uh, much more easily when it, the corruption's more as at speed because they see it so quick and they don't understand and then they wake up. Yes, that is true. Because things are so startling. I think a lot of America is waking up. You know, they all thought, you know, Biden is going to be great. And they take a look and they see this man has no clue as to what he's doing. I mean, the fact that America put him in as president is one of the greatest miracles of modern history. How a man who's a crook, senile, 
has done nothing in 47 years, you know, and is uh, corrupt. It's just absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, we never know. The Rabbanisham can overthrow everything. You know, you know they're counting the votes in, in Arizona. You know that. They're what? Right. Counting the votes in Arizona. They're recounting, they're the, recounting votes. the votes in Arizona. Arizona. And, and it's a very precise. What? And Donald Trump actually just came. Trump actually just came on a TV recently and said, um, "I didn't concede. I never conceded um, the presidency or yes. something." And um, so, which is interesting to. Uh, yeah, here it is. now when like when they're recounting and all of this. Yeah, you see the way it's going to be over is sudden. It's going to be sudden. Something will happen that's sudden, and all of a sudden it's over. It ends. You see, so you never know. I mean, there are things that are going on that can end it. Like I mentioned, Arizona's seriously and very uh, exacting in their count. If they come out with a, with a report, and it's supposed to be out in a short amount of time, uh, that the election was a fraud, then what will happen is, I think, I think also besides Arizona, <clears throat> I think Georgia and Michigan and Pennsylvania, I think also are counting. But they're all going to count. And if that happens, then automatically... Trump will win the electoral votes, which means automatically Biden is no more president. And not only is he no, not president, but all of his acts are illegal because he was never president. That'll be one of the greatest uh, turmoils in American history. What do you do? I mean, it's going to be something that's going to be cataclysmic for the United States. But what that would mean is that automatically, if that happens, Trump is back to being president. You see? Now the world will be shocked. Absolutely shocked. And that is a sudden event which God can do. And he can do it overnight. You see? <clears throat> so he wants people to see what they can do, like I say, think that they are supreme. And in one, in, in one split second, so to speak, it's all over. And all of a sudden, Trump is back, again, trying to, again, dismissing the PLO in Iran and China. But once he comes back, then it's over. He will not be overthrown again. And that truly, I believe, is the beginning of a messianic era. Then it's all uphill all the way. So we don't know. But as we speak, there's actually things happening that can reverse the, this terrible, tragic uh, situation in the world overnight. It's interesting. It's not like there's nothing going on. No, there is. <clears throat> you see, this count among the states is enough to overturn all the evil of Biden and the Democratic Party and the progressives. <clears throat> and not only that, people will realize, well, who perpetrated the fraud? Who did it? And of course, the answer is the Democratic Party. <clears throat> so this is actually happening. You know, we don't know the report, 
But as we speak, there's something happening that has the potential to create havoc with the political system in the United States and reverse all the evil of Biden in one day. It's interesting. And it doesn't even require a miracle. You see? So it's interesting to see how the Bosham is going to engineer the whole thing. You know? So let's hope.